The Weather Jazz Podcast. Almost anything can happen. Why? Because it's Open Line Friday. Well, that's right. It is Good Friday 2022. Welcome to Weather Jazz, everybody. This is a world audience podcast about anything and everything, weather, science, earth science, and periodically some interesting off-topic episodes. But today, on this Open Line Friday, we are going to blend both. You'll see coming up in just a moment. I am the creator and the host of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bernier. And I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 318 for Good Friday, April 15, 2022. Well, on the air last night on WJW Television, just in case you were watching and in the greater Cleveland area, at the tail end of one of my weathercasts, I mentioned that I would be having a very special guest on Weather Jazz from an archive episode from Season 1. Now, off the air, I told Lou Maglio and Elizabeth Noriega just exactly who this mystery guest was that I was planning to bring on today. And they absolutely went crazy. In fact, they said, you're right. This is going to be a huge episode. I'll keep you in suspense for just a little while longer. But before we get into all the details, first of all, I'd like to wish everybody a very blessed and happy Easter. Of course, today, a lot of places are observing Good Friday services, but the story doesn't stop there. You see, Easter Sunday is something I really prefer calling Resurrection Sunday. For without that resurrection... It would be an exclamation point without the period at the bottom. It is essentially the culmination of the rescue plan initiated by God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Some of you, especially those of you who listen to Weather Jazz frequently, know that right now I am serving as an interim pastor at New Promise Church in Kirtland, Ohio. It's on Route 6, which is also known as Euclid Chardon Road, about a mile east of Route 306, again in Kirtland. We've got a very special Easter service planned, and if you live in and around the Kirtland area, or even if you don't and you feel like taking a drive to Kirtland, Ohio, the services start at 10.30. I would love to meet you and shake your hand. And the message title for this Sunday service at New Promise Church is the father who waits. You see, so often we hear about the prodigal son and the story and the parable that Jesus taught. However, it always focuses on the prodigal son. Well, coming up on Easter at New Promise Church, I'll be telling the story from another perspective, from the perspective of the waiting father. And that's why the message title is The Father Who Waits. 
Now, if by chance your hometown is too distant for a drive to Kirtland, Ohio, for instance, in Washington State, or Colorado, or northeastern New England, well, you can still tune in. Just go to newpromisechurch.com and you can join us on the live stream, which you will see on your home computer. Either way, I hope you'll be there. Make yourself known, too, if you happen to hop on the live stream. Wave and tell us where you're watching from. Okay, let me talk about today's very special guest. You see, last week there was no Open Line Friday episode, and I mentioned earlier this week that I was in a desperate search for some of the archived episodes. I thought they were up in the cloud. They weren't. And then I started hunting and pecking through various hard drives, and I finally found the hard drive, at least that had the first 45 episodes. The other episodes, about 30 of them, are still missing, but it's the first 45 that are really the most important. Now, I came across the one I was looking for, but that's not the one I'm going to highlight today. You see, on episode 16 of Weather Jazz Season 1, which was released in August of 2009, my special guest was meteorologist Dick Goddard. Now, Dick passed away almost two years ago now. So when I found this jewel, and it really is a, a treasured jewel now at this stage in the game, is something that I simply had to share. You see, I forgot that I had actually interviewed Dick for one of my episodes. So re-listening to that episode brought back a flood of memories and brought a ton of smiles to my face many, many times over. So coming up after the break, we will dive right into the interview that I had with Dick Goddard in the summer of 2009. Don't go away. This is definitely going to be worth your time. And we're back. And without further delay, we're going to get right into the interview that I had with Dick Goddard in the summer of 2009. It's from the Season 1 archive of Weather Jazz. This interview was originally released in the summer of 2009. Here we go. Well, Dick, we're going to get right into it here tonight. Why don't you start at the beginning when your interest in meteorology uh, kind of uh, evolved and came about? Well, by golly, and I knew Noah, not your son, but the, the original guy. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a meteorological uh, Methuselah now. Uh, but anyway, uh, when I was uh, out of high school, Korean War came along. I knew I'd have to go one way or the other. Told my dad with my couple of buddies, I'm going to join the Marines. He said, no, you're not. He's very smart. Mm -hmm. A couple weeks later, I said, Dad, I'm going to do the Air Force. So I signed up. My buddies didn't go. I was the only one. But so I get in there and they gave me the aptitude test. I'm sure they do it again or still do it to get an idea of what you might have any kind of an aptitude for. And I wanted to be a cartoonist and right away to the lieutenant who was uh, asking questions. I said, there's probably not a great demand for cartoonists in the Air Force. And he, <laughs> he smiled knowingly, took the test, threw the test. I could become one of three things for the next four years in the Air Force. Okay, so anyway, uh, I qualified as a sharpshooter. 
I hate guns. My dad was Gunny Goddard because he grew up in southern Ohio where they shot everything that moved, but they ate it. They ate it. <laughs> well, so that's, uh, that's ethical hunting. Uh, I'm colorblind, and they said, well, you're colorblind not to the uh, certain nuances, not to the primaries. They said, we could put you in uh, camouflage. You can see things other people can't and vice versa. I said, well, sir, what's the third thing? They said, meteorology, and I thought, can't even pronounce it. Went to the barracks that night. And uh, my buddies had taken the test, and uh, I asked, has anybody ever heard of a meteorologist ever being shot before? If you're going into a war, that's a good thing to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, uh, nobody ever knew a meteorologist, so that was easy. Went back the next day and uh, said, I'd like to try that. And I went to Chanute Air Force Base Tech School. Got out, and uh, some of my friends that were in my uh, class there at uh, Chanute Air Force Base went right over to Korea, sending up weather balloons. But in their wisdom, uh, they initially, the Air Force, sent me to Greenland during the Korean War, mm-hmm. and people laughed. Uh, oh, Korean War, Greenland, wow. I said, yeah, go ahead, laugh. In the uh, 12 months I was there, not one North Korean made it into Greenland. But anyway, so, and I, the one thing I did in the Air Force was really interesting. I was then assigned to Tinker Air Force Base, severe Storms Forecast Center. Uh, they sent me and five other uh, weather guys over in the Pacific Island for the first full-yield hydrogen bomb test. I got to meet Dr. Edward Teller, father of the H-bomb. I was 23 years old. I knew the guy was important. I didn't know he was the father. And so I got to see the first H-bomb, and we never actually saw the cloud because of the curvature of the Earth 175 miles away. But from pitch black at 5.55 that morning, Looking to the east, there w- it was like high noon in a few seconds. We shielded our eyes. There was no sound. We figured it would take maybe 13 minutes to go 175 miles. We hung on, though, because it went from pitch black to high noon to pitch black, all within seconds. And we were all saying things like, wow. And uh, then about 13 minutes later, we heard the sound of this incredible uh, H-bomb. You'd think it'd be cataclysmic. It, so what did it sound like then, in your in your own words? What did it sound like? It was like a rifle shot. It went right by so fast in a nanosecond. So it was very sharp. It was, I would say, I've never been that close to a bullet going by my ear, but it, it just came and went so fast. Interesting. And as the sound waves skip, we yeah. weren't sure we'd hear anything, but that was the sound of the H-bomb. And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, I'm out of the Air Force. I want to get a degree in... Art from Kent State. Five years later, I got a BFA, sent stuff to Disney in California. They wrote back, and I still have the letter from 1960. Said, Yeah, we'd like to talk to you. Come on out. Same week, I had a chance to try television through the. It was totally by accident, as anyone would agree. I did radio broadcasts with my other friends out of the Weather Bureau at in Canton, and the guy at Channel 3 was in Canton for a speech. The general manager, they wanted a weather guy on television. They didn't have anybody. He heard my name, called me. I initially said, oh, I can't do that. A couple of weeks later, he called back, couldn't find anybody brave enough in the Weather Bureau, evidently, to try television. When he did again, I said, okay, I'm not married. I'll try it. They gave me a 13-week contract at Channel 3. That's mm-hmm. how sure they were I'd stick around. And knock on Formica, that was, well, I'll start my 49th year, uh, May 1st. Mm-hmm. How about that? I tell youngsters, uh, first of all, uh, nobody ever graduates. Uh, if you think you know it all, you're in big trouble. I don't care how many pa- papers you have hanging on the wall. 
Uh, it's common sense and reason. I decided, and my parents had that. None of them ever got through the third grade, but they had common sense and reason. And uh, so anyway, after uh, 49 years, I guess, uh, I, I'm going to try to find that letter from Disney and give them a call and say, by the way. So the offer still might be open. Yeah, remember you said, come on. Well, show them the letter. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I'm only 24 Celsius. So, so you started at uh, Channel 3. And uh, then there was a brief period where the whole station moved, and uh, you went to another city. The call letters moved. A lot of the people that wanted to go to Philadelphia, Barnaby that was at Channel 3, wanted to go to Philadelphia, get a new start. I didn't want to go. They took the Mike Douglas show and me with them to Philadelphia in 1965. People were great to me there. Fourth major market compared to Cleveland then was number nine. Mm -hmm. We're down below that now. But uh, people were wonderful, but I didn't know anybody. Uh, there was a thunderstorm over Coochtown, Pennsylvania, this afternoon. And, and I thought, I don't know anybody in Coochtown. Here, <laughs> if it was Mansfield, if it were Mansfield, I would know people there. Sure. And my parents were still alive at the time. Uh, my daughter was freshly uh, minted. And I, everything said, come on back. I had offers not only from Channel 3 that brought Wally Canan with them from Philadelphia, but also Channel 5 and Channel 8. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I'm a sports nut, I have... I'm going to start my 40th year doing uh, uh, stats for the Browns. I didn't have a lot to do last year. But anyway, so Channel 8 had the football games, the Browns football games. And I thought, that's it. So I came to 8, and that was... So that's why you came to Channel 8, was because of actually your love for the Browns. I'm a sports nut. We had a lot of athletic teams, and I I scheduled games uh, for our football football team. I don't think ever lost a game, but we had a lot of softball and basketball. And Ralph Tarsitano, our race cameraman, years ago said, Ernie Anderson, Goulardi. Yes, yeah. uh, He had his team, and they played uh, Channel 3, and I was the third baseman. I got a few hits and made a nice play. And the story was that... uh, Goulardi came back to Channel 8 and said to the general manager, you got to get that Goddard on a scholarship. And so anyway, he didn't have to do that, but that's, uh, that's how I wound up here. And it's wonderful. Now, tell me about the changes you've seen since entering into this wonderful world of broadcast meteorology. What did you start with? And are you surprised to see so many changes? What's good? What's bad? Uh, give me your overall feeling. Well, I would say I started with chalk. I chalked for four years. I was on the verge of white lung disease after after chalking every day for hours. And uh, and then we had magnets, and then we had the ink pens, and everybody that used ink pens, their ties all had spots all over them. And uh, But anyway, and back then, I briefing pilots in the Air Force and then in the Weather Bureau, I'll tell you what, uh, the accuracy has really improved. If you were a pilot, and you are a pilot, but if you were a pilot back in the uh, 50s when I first got into this, uh, they would tell you these forecasts have really improved drastically. I don't believe you can go too far ahead with a forecast. Uh, and they let me do just a five-day here. I was the last guy to give in on a – I had a three-day until Wally Canan came to Phil, from Philly, and he did a five-day. And they said, you're doing a five-day. I said, okay. But anyway, yeah, the forecast has improved dramatically over the years. And one of the verities of weather, the further ahead you forecast, the less accurate it is going to be. That will never change. But that uh, that number or that inaccuracy is drawing closer or, or smaller and smaller with time. Well, yeah, and I tell you, sir, you want to be a great forecaster? Don't come to Cleveland, Ohio. And like effect, go to San Diego. 
<laughs> stay there. Uh, quiet. Or Quito, Ecuador? Uh, or, I think, um, the island of Majoro in the mm-hmm. Pacific. Mm-hmm. Uh, the temperature doesn't do anything all year long. It stays the same. What do you foresee, if you could project out, based on the changes, the rapidity of the changes uh, that you have seen, what do you suspect might be the case 40, 50 years from now for somebody who wants to get into broadcast meteorology? Is it still going to be around in the same form? Well, since you started the Weather Channel, along with Bruce Edwards over there, Kalanowski. I wish I had the money when, when they sold it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, you made it, uh, TV weather so popular. There are so many people getting degrees. Oklahoma State University, uh, a few years ago, I got a letter. Uh, what kind of job opportunities are there? Colleges are putting out 500 students a year with degrees in meteorology. Mm-hmm. There aren't that many jobs. Right. And the Weather, Ch- weather Channel has made this so popular. Mm-hmm. So I blame you, basically. <laughs> well, thank you very much. You're quite, well, you're quite welcome. You've accomplished a lot in your young life. Uh, maybe I ought to get some kind of royalty check then from all of the universities. Well, it wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Type up a letter. I'll sign it. And, and, and so you'll recommend. Thank you. I would do that. Oh, it's a wonderful field. If you can get in it, mm-hmm. I mean, it would be, well, you, and if you're into computers, I'm not. I still have a typewriter. <laughs> I brought it. I had it in the station one day, and all the, all you young ones, what is that? I said, well, is this something brand new? It's called a typewriter, and uh, but you are the computer guy, and I envy you. And uh, I don't Twitter, I don't Facebook, I don't do any of that stuff. I, I use an abacus for. Uh, and it, it has served you well. Of course, we're just joking. I still have a job. That's the uh, criterion, I think. Your favorite season of the year has to be spring because. Uh, b- I'll tell you what, I always say at, at the end of summer, well, first of all, people uh, can't wait till summer gets here. They complain when summer's here, and they say, well, where did it go? At the end of winter, nobody ever says, hey, where did winter go? Nobody gives a darn where winter went after, you know, five months. So anyway, it's not winter, but it would be spring, uh, the renewal of life. May into June would be my favorite time of the year. I would not trade, Andre, our May, June, July, and August, even September, for anywhere in the country. The other months are all negotiable. Mm -hmm. I don't like winter. And what about uh, geographical location? We know that Cleveland is, a, is uh, or has a very special place in your heart. But what about uh, what about vacation locations? Do you have a favorite vacation spot? Well, I was able, and I haven't done it in years. I led eighteen uh, tours to Hawaii mm-hmm. and talk about a uh, moderate climate all year long. Uh, I, I would have to say San Diego in the contiguous forty-eight can't beat San Diego if you like. 70-plus temperatures every day and a lot of sunshine, except for the marine layer off the ocean in the morning. I would I would choose San Diego. Yeah. Figures that the only time that I visited uh, Hawaii with my dad uh, was back in 1987, and we landed on the morning that they actually had a record low temperature in Honolulu. It was 56 degrees, and uh, that was that was chilly for, of course, we thought it was delightful. Yeah. Oh, hey, how about that? In winter, I'd settle for anything in the 50s here. Highest temperature ever, at, <clears throat> pardon me, ever in Honolulu was 100 degrees, mm-hmm. which matches, I think, uh, Fairbanks, Alaska's all-time high, 100 degrees. Tell me... What are some of the most memorable things in television, the funny things that come to mind? Surely there must be some stories that probably are the most endearing to you. Well, yeah, it's kind of inside uh, jokes. I've 
and famous for uh, animal welfare. And we have animals come into the station regularly. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget the night. Tim Taylor was not in a good mood. He's a wonderful guy. And usually very nice. He was in no mood at all. He said before the show, he said, Goddard, you bring any of those animals here and they're out of control, I'm going to kill you. So anyway, I I don't pray a lot. I mean, you're an expert at that. But I think I did say a small something. So help me. The cats got out of the wherever they were. Oh, no. And the show starts, and there are two cats hanging on the drapes not far from where Taylor is broadcasting. <laughs> I knew Taylor was in trouble. He kind of, when his voice went, kind of like a morning dove, you know, and he was, he chortled all through the show, but he, it, it got to him. I think that was almost the same week. Oh, Fred McLeod, uh, who now does Cavs basketball. He was our sports guy. He had the only, aside from Santa Claus, the only red suit I've ever seen. It was a red suit. So anyway, we end the tease uh, at the beginning of this show, and I would get up and leave, and so would Fred. And so we did the headlines, and here we go. And right in, right beside the camera, Taylor was looking at, for some reason, Fred McLeod tripped, and he actually levitated. I would swear he was above the ground for several seconds in his red suit. And I couldn't hold it, and I was just roaring. And Taylor, you know, I'm an anchor man. I love great Taylor stories. Walter Cronkite died, and I was uh, had the fortune to be at CBS. We all were when he was doing his thing. And uh, so we looked up to Walter. I called people, uh, Tim Taylor, he's our poor man's Walter Cronkite. And this one night, I'll never forget it, it was the 11 o'clock show, and the show's underway. There had been a tanker spill close to where we are, and you know, all those chemicals with a tetra clock. And so anyway, here comes Tom Reed in while during the commercial break. Give me the copy and leave out the big words. I mean, uh, that destroyed my Walter Cronkite image of Tim. Leave out the big words. What kind of a news reporter is that? But I know what he was saying. (laughs) Leave out the big, leave out the bulk of the story. Anyway, but there's so many things. I I mean, uh, animals. uh, You could write a book. I am. Coming Excellent. Out. Yeah, another one. The finale. And, and when is this one coming out? I'll end it uh, probably next year. Big Chuck did his. I didn't want to interfere with his uh, coda, his uh, finale. But I know I've been using, I know the final words, uh, quoting Damon Runyon. And now among the fading embers, fading embers, these in the main are my regrets. When I'm right, no one remembers. When I'm wrong, no one forgets. That's the weatherman's... uh, And that's oh so true. (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) Would you do it all over again? Oh, yeah, I'm lucky. I I see what other people have done. A lot of people have degrees in arts and and are very good cartoonists. Mm -hmm. But uh, I got in the field of meteorology really at the right time, back in the uh, early 60s. It was just becoming a big deal. And uh, the stations have found that the number one story... If you had to pick one all year long, it is going to be the, the weather. Mm-hmm. It affects everybody. I don't care if you have any interest in the winds aloft or isobars. Weather's always right outside your front door waiting for you, and it affects everything. When you got into the business in the 1960s in Philadelphia, they had mentioned Don Kent, whom we had on Weather Jazz uh, a little while back. Well, he was on BZ Boston, right? And you know, I, he was pointed out to me when I went to uh, Westinghouse in Cleveland. They said, our guy is Don Kent. We want you to be another Don Kent. I was able finally to talk to him after all these years not long ago and thank him for everything. 
Or blame him, whatever. <laughs> and he's 91 right now and living in uh, New Hampshire and still just full of as many isobars as he had back when I used to watch him back in southern New England. Well, they, they say I'm full of isobars. So, no, I guess they phrase it differently. But anyway, <laughs> depends on the forecast. You're a hero when it works, and when you don't, what a bum. May your isobars always squiggle on the map. Boy, that's great. Let me write that down. I'm sure that you will agree that was worth the wait. An archived episode of Weather Jazz from the summer of 2009. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I'm planning a couple more archived releases. I found a few gems that I'd like to share with you just in case at that time you weren't yet a listener of Weather Jazz, because back in 2009, the only platform that was available was Apple Podcasts. And of course, now I'm on more than a dozen podcast platforms and also available online at weatherjazz.com. Next Friday, I'm going to highlight part one of a two-part interview that is one of my favorites from season one. Of course, aside from today's, it's my second favorite. I'll keep you in suspense And you'll have to join me next Friday. Well, do me a big favor, please, especially if you enjoyed today's episode with our archived conversation from Dick Goddard. Please let other people know about, especially if you know somebody that is a Dick Goddard fan and perhaps has a real love for our forefoots and our furry members of the family. Honor his memory by making sure that those people know that I posted this episode today on Weather Jazz. You can reach it, again, via any number of podcast platforms. And if you just want to listen to it on your computer, that's easy, too. Just go to weatherjazz.com and click on episode number 318. The most recent episodes will always show up on top as they are released. Well, it is Friday, which means I get to brag about all of the people that make weather jazz really sing. They really bring out the best of weather jazz so that I can make sure that I have all of the tools that I need in order to make this podcast as stellar and as best sounding as I can possibly make it. Now, I'm thinking of making some changes to the way that I do that, perhaps beginning to edge more towards an advertiser-supported program. But until that happens, and until I formulate something, right now, it is my chance to brag on these folks. Thank you so much for stepping alongside me. Victoria Singer in Vermont. Kian Galunas in Vermont. Dale Osborne in Ohio. Will and Tonya Krausen family in Ohio. Christine Barnes in Ohio. Rose Moore, Ohio. Bill Martin in Florida, and Andrea Rich in Tennessee. And for the time being, you can still become a supporter. Just go to weatherjazz.com and click on the supporter tab. You'll not only see the list of names that I just read from, but also how you can get involved and add your name to that list. Do you have a question or a topic suggestion or You'd like to express your appreciation for this podcast about Dick Goddard. Well, let me know. You can reach me two ways. Weatherjazz at yahoo.com is my email address. You can also reach me via voicemail. 
The Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect Line is available 24 hours a day at 234-525-5888. If you need that information again, just go to weatherjazz.com and click on the Contacts tab at the very top, and both of those avenues will be available to you. Well, as we head deeper and deeper into the Easter period going into the weekend, it is going to be one where we see a cooling trend for the Ohio Valley. And we even have some wet snowflakes that can mix in to some of the precip chances as we head into the next three or four days. We may revisit that and the chance that we see that on Meteorological Monday coming up on the Monday after Easter. We certainly hope that you'll be a part of the audience here at Weather Jazz. Don't worry, it doesn't appear as though it's going to be the kind of snow where we have to break out the shovels again more of a curiosity than anything else. But we will, of course, revisit that in much greater detail on Monday. Have a great and blessed Easter Sunday, and we'll see you at the beginning of next week right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.